God is always good. Okay, have a look at Luke chapter 2, and uh, I want to share with you, I started this a little while ago, I just want to open this passage for you, and there's, uh, I want to just finish that message and series I'm doing on the rest of faith. And one of the things we saw is that uh, in Exodus chapter 33, God spoke to Moses, he said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. So rest is a peace in our heart in spite of the turmoil around us. We're living in, a, in, a, in an age which is in turmoil, and people are, are, are anxious and fearful, stressed out, and the Bible tells us that rest is a gift to us. It's an experience you can come into when no matter what's going on around you, you can still be at peace in your heart. And this is something God gives to us. It comes out of His presence being with us. It also comes out of learning how to let go issues to Him. And uh, this is a great thing for us to be able to walk up here. We're called to bring peace into wherever we go. And wherever you go outside in the community, it's in turmoil. Wherever you go, it's in turmoil. It doesn't take much scratching to see the turmoil and pain. And I'm just so delighted and proud of the groups that have gone out and ministered to the turmoil in very practical ways. This is the gospel in action. And I believe God is on it. And if you and we will continue to do that, we will continue to experience increase. So Moses said, well, if you don't go with us, don't take us anywhere. Because he said this, he said, how will the world know that we are different except your presence is on our life and there's a place of rest in our heart? How will people know we're different? Reality is people don't know Christians are different because Christians seem to struggle with all the same issues. So I want us to have a look here and we want to just uh, go into this passage here. This is Jesus' parents, his family. And so we can identify with family and Jesus doing stuff we didn't expect. How many have had an experience? Jesus did something you didn't expect. Ah, exactly. Or something happened you didn't expect. So in verse 41, every, his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the Feast of Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. And when they had finished the days as they returned, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother did not know it. But they supposed, they assumed he was with them in the company. And they went a day's journey and sought him among their relatives and acquaintances. And when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem seeking him. And now it was after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, listening and asking questions. And all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. And when they saw him, they said they were amazed. Oh, they were very distressed, actually. They were shocked. And, uh, when, and his mother said, son... Why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. See, no peace there, is there? And he said to them, why do you seek me? Did you not know I must be about my father's business? But they did not understand the statement which he spoke to them. Then he went down to, with them to Nazareth and was subject to them. And his mother kept all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. Now, <clears throat> when the, the Bible tells us very clearly in the book of John... That all the things written about Jesus, you couldn't contain them in all the books of the world. So the Holy Spirit has selected some things. So we look here and you get a glimpse. The only glimpse into Jesus' life growing up is this passage here. This is the only glimpse you get. And it's an unusual story where his parents have gone down to Jerusalem to the feast. They've come away from the feast and he stayed behind. And of course the parents are totally stressed out. Now notice the first thing I want you to have a look at in here is Jesus did not tell them what he was doing. That is really hard to understand. Uh, we can't say that he sinned and they did something wrong. So we have, to we have to conclude there must be more to this passage than we realize. 
So the first thing is <clears throat> that sometimes God is silent about his plans. How many have experienced a time when God was silent about what he was doing? <clears throat> and he answered things for you that you really didn't really need an answer for, but the thing you really needed an answer for, he didn't talk at all. How many have found about that? That is an experience we have as a Christian. It, it creates quite some turmoil in our life. He, Jesus did not tell them what he was doing. He was actually entering into a new season in his life. You see, every year he'd go down. So they were in a habit. They'd got in a habit with him. They would go down to the feast every year. They'd go through whatever they were going to do, six, seven days there. Then they'd travel home, and it was, a, it was an annual holiday, an annual thing they did, and they were quite familiar with it. Now, they didn't pick up that Jesus was now entering a new season in his life. He was approaching at 12 years old his bar mitzvah, which meant he was moving from being deemed to be a child to where he's now responsible as a young adult to obey the law. And so the obvious thing is he's going to connect with where he can learn the law. Now, they were so familiar with how he had been moving, they did not recognize that there was a change about to take place. This is very true of the church and very true of our lives. We get so familiar that, uh, with God or we get so familiar with routine, so familiar with the way we do things that we can miss that God is making changes. And there's a number of reasons we miss them. He doesn't always tell it straight away. And you notice that in a marriage, for example, familiarity with one another can lead to a lot of communication breakdowns and a lot of stress and difficulties. Well, I thought you were going to do this, but no one spoke. Well, I assumed you were going to do that, but no one said anything. So in marriages and relationships, a lot of stress comes when we assume things. How many have had that difficulty? You assume something, it didn't happen. So one of the dilemmas that we face in life and relationships is that familiarity leads to assumption or presumptions. We can be so familiar with God and with our walk with God that we assume that we are walking right, we assume that we are doing the things he wants, and we don't, it comes as a shock to us when something happens which upheaves our world, and it doesn't seem like God gave us any warning, told us about it, talked to us about it at all. Notice, they just supposed he was with them. They got so familiar with Jesus, coming and going, they're familiar, he's a good boy, they didn't have any trouble with him. The last thing they ever expected was that he would do something they didn't expect, which was stay behind. Now, any parent, any parent here who's had a child stay behind and you've lost them, you understand the stress the parents would feel. But we'll see how Jesus handles it in just a moment. So the first thing to see is that familiarity can lead to presumption. Jesus could have spoken to them and told them, but he did not. You've got to remember that he is now emerging from being a child to knowing exactly who he is and what he's called to do. He's starting to emerge into his emerging adult. Now, his ministry hasn't begun, his assignment hasn't begun, but he's definitely come into knowing who he is. And he knows he's the son of God, he knows he's called into a work. And so the obvious thing is, uh, as a young child now, is to come under tutors and governors to be prepared for that. It, to him, it was very obvious what he should do. So he stays behind. And it doesn't say he just lingered or tarried. It says that the word literally means this. It means, I'll just read it, what I, I had a look at it this morning. It means... He endured, or in other words, he stayed under the leadership of the Holy Spirit to remain there behind, and obviously the Holy Spirit had told him, don't say anything. There are some times when God does stuff, 
and he doesn't tell us. And when he doesn't tell you, it's not because he doesn't care about you, it's just he's going to move anyway. And he's not asking for your opinion about it. You just get upset every time that God didn't ask my opinion or consult me about what he was about to do. And so we have in our life, many things happen, and they seem to happen, and it just upsets us. We get very distressed and very upset, and we get out of kilter. We have to realize that God is always God. He doesn't always tell us about the things that will happen. How many, when you chose to follow Jesus, had no idea what that might incur? How many may very well have not decided to follow Jesus if you had known all the things that might happen on the well, you say there be so God does tell us our journey is a journey of faith, which means you don't always know what's going to happen, you don't always understand what's happening, you do have to come to a place of trust and rest. Now, of course, our dilemma is we want to know everything, and when we're not informed, nobody told me, and we get upset. I wasn't informed, and we get distressed, or something happened we didn't expect it, and we get all wound up, agitated. And God wants you to learn how to handle these issues in life. I found God does not consult me about everything, and he doesn't tell me about everything. And sometimes I just find things happen that surprise me. And you've got to take it. And you've got to learn how to handle or lean into God. And so, so sometimes God is silent. And part of the problem is that we get so familiar in our relationship, we just make assumptions on everything continuing like it is. I believe that the church in the West particularly is needing to make massive changes. Massive changes. The more I have been praying and looking at this over this last year, the more I'm aware that the church is just needing a massive, uh, it's needing reformation to engage fully in what God is wanting to do in our nation. That means changing. That means you changing. And me. So, as I've said, I'm on a journey of change. I found it to be a disturbing, painful distressing but also challenging journey that God is with us in it. God wants to help you. It's so wonderful that God is with you and promises to help you. So why is sometimes God silent? Why is it God doesn't always tell you what he wants to do? And I have found it to be a recurring experience that God, I can move very strongly and God's speaking through me to all kinds of people about all sorts of things and then the thing I need to hear, I hear nothing. It's quite a paradox. So you can be used of God to touch other people, and then the very need you have doesn't seem to get answered. So why is that? Very simple. I read your scripture in 2 Chronicles 20, 32, 31. It says, God withdrew from Hezekiah in order that he might try him to know all that was in his heart. So what did God do? Did God forsake him? No, he didn't. What did God do? He just drew back his tangible presence, and he went for a season that God might see what was in him, what would come up. So sometimes God will let you face uh, an experience which is painful, challenging, and difficult. You don't feel like God is there, and what he wants to do is to draw up out of your heart what is there so you can see it and grow and change. Sometimes we forget that this following Jesus is a lifelong journey of change. Well, you think, well, I repented ages ago, and I said I was sorry. I come up and call. I've done my thing now. I'm trying to live a good life. Actually, no. Repentance is a foundation upon which we build our life. Repentance is about changing how we think to align with what God is doing and saying to us. And so sometimes God will let us go through things, number one, to reveal what is in our heart. In other words, when you're under stress and pressure, what you've got going on inside soon comes up. And it comes up in a way that's not always nice. 
Secondly, God wants to see if you'll put into practice what you've been learning. So we've taught you how to live in the Spirit. We've taught you how to build your spirit, man. Taught you how to resolve. You've been more taught than any people I know. But what do you do when you're under pressure? That's how much you've learned. It's only what we put into practice. We've taught you how to flow with the Spirit, how to listen to the Spirit, how to be sensitive to Him. At the end of the day, you've actually just got to put into practice. And so most learning takes place in the course of life, not in a meeting like this. Meetings like this, you get flashes of information, flashes of help, but it's in the small groups that learning takes place where we can interact. It's in where we're interacting in our faith with someone, that's when we really grow. And so God is wanting us to learn and continue to grow. So he let us face a few experiences. One, to reveal and bring up what's in our heart. Two, so we can see where we need to grow and change. And three, so we can see if we're really applying what God has told us to do. So I've taught you how to build a strong spirit man. But if you're not doing that, then when pressure comes, you cave and you live out of your soul and emotions. So there's only so much that teaching can do at the end. It's actually what we're putting into practice in our life. And that's where small groups are so helpful because you get with others and you're sharing and interacting over your faith. You bring out to the open what God is doing. One of the best questions we can ask one another in a small group is something like this. What is God currently doing in your life right now? What was the last thing God was speaking to you about? How are you getting on putting that into practice and doing it? Now those kind of questions, when you're sitting and someone's facing you, that's when you start to change. Can we pray with you? What plans? You know, I see people say, well, God's been speaking to me about this. I say, well, what is it, what's the specific area he's talking to you about? If you can't say what specifically it is, it's just general fuzzy stuff and you won't change. But if I can answer the question, God specifically is dealing with me about this attitude, then the next thing is, well, what will you do to change? What plan have you got in place in order to grow? What are you doing to shift from where you are to where God wants you to be? Because if we don't apply God's word into our life, if we don't actually let it shape and change us, what happens is we get deceived in our mind. The Bible says if we hear the word and don't do it, we're deceived in our mind. But when we hear the word and do it, our life becomes strengthened and the foundation is built. So, I wonder if you have anyone asking you these questions, what did God last say to you? Or what is God speaking to you about right now? What is your plan to put this into practice? How are you getting on with that? How can I help you with that? That's a great way we can help one another in this journey of growing in God. And so God sometimes is silent and sometimes pressures and difficulties come up in order to stimulate seeking him and growing. And you'll see what happens that with Mary and Joseph, it surfaces some things in them. You notice there, uh, we read in the story there, we find out it says they went a day without realizing he was there. <laughs> Don't you love that? They went a day. And then it says they supposed he was there. We can drift in our Christian life supposing we're flowing with what God wants and suddenly become aware it's not all right. That's the time to start to recenter and redirect your life again. Look what they did. You notice here what, what happens. It said, then it says, they sought him among their friends. So in other words, the first place they looked when they found the loss of the presence of God, when they felt the loss of Jesus, was they turned to their friends, they took to their family, took to their acquaintances, they went into their small group. And then finally, this is what they had to do, that to return to where they lost the presence of God, that to return to where they lost the peace. 
Notice they went back to Jerusalem seeking Jesus. Jerusalem means city of peace. So they had to go back to the place where they lost their peace. They had to go back and their focus was on finding Jesus and reconnecting with him again. If you have felt the presence of God lift off, lift off you, you can always sense it in different ways. It's not that he's left you or abandoned you, but you can feel when the Holy Spirit is no longer flowing around your life. One, you become anxious and lose your peace. See Colossians 3.15, let the peace of God fall in your heart. So the moment you lose your peace, it's the time to say, stop what's happened, what's going on. I seem to have lost my peace. Something is going on. This is the warning signal of the Holy Spirit. Something is wrong in my life. It may be the way I'm thinking. It may be the way I'm reacting. It may be an attitude I have, a value I have. Stop. Something's not right. Stop and inquire of the Holy Spirit what is going on. First sign is when you start to lose your peace. Second sign is when you start to become irritable. You lose your love for people. You notice someone is irritable. They're now uh, manifesting uh, an attitude of lack of peace in their heart and lack of concern for people. They're wrapped up in themselves. You get people that are irritable, there's a lack of love because love is not irritable, it tells us in 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient, bears long. So when you start to find people and they have lost their peace and they're becoming irritable, Holy Spirit's flow has lifted off them and God is trying to get their attention. Uh, a third uh, way that you can uh, tell if the Holy Spirit's lift off you is confusion and turmoil and you start to look for someone to blame. When there's confusion, God's not the author of confusion, God is the author of peace. So you notice that the kingdom of heaven is always associated with peace or rest in our heart. The kingdom of heaven is not, right, not eating, drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So when you start to find you're losing your peace, when you start to find you're becoming anxious and uptight, when you start to find that you're losing your capacity to love people and now you're irritable, when you start to find you're a little confused and muddy about where you're going or what's happening and looking for someone to blame, the Spirit of God has lifted and you need to see the warning signs and go back to Jerusalem, back to Jesus and find where did I lose you? Where did I miss you? What in my believing needs to change? What in my response needs to change? What is it you are trying to tell me? Well, very simply put it like this, what am I feeling? How did I get to be feeling that way? What is going on in my belief system in my heart? That's, you know, this is something you practice, you put into practice. It's called taking every thought captive and bringing it into obedience. It's just stopping to evaluate what's going on momentarily and recenter your heart just as quickly as that in looking towards the Lord. Interestingly, uh, in, in Elijah's day, when the axe head was lost and the man came up and said, I've lost my axe head, I've lost my cup, I've lost my anointing, I've lost my flow, he said, where did you lose it? Go back there. And he took him right back to where he lost the axe And then he cut down a tree, which speaks of the cross, threw it in, and the miracle was the cutting edge was restored. So inevitably, when you've lost that flow of God in your life, you've got to go back, when did I lose it? Where did I lose it? What was the issue? Now, God, what do I need to do to deal with this? Get the idea? You're very quiet now. Someone you needed to hear that. <laughs> it was for them, wasn't it? You know that. It was for them. <laughs> it was for them. So notice it says here that they returned to Jerusalem. It took them three days to get back to what they lost in one day. One of the things about your life with God is if you let your life with God go, it's, it takes 
more time to get it back again than it does to maintain it. If you let go your prayer life, your life in the Word, your relationship with God, it seems to take longer to get it back again than it is to lose it. You can lose it quickly, but you've got to actually get back into a flow again to regain that life with God. And I'll show you, it's not even hard. It's simple. And it's all in the story here. Notice what they did. They returned to Jerusalem. See, they returned to Jerusalem and they were seeking here. So very, very simple. When we've lost that peace, lost that flow of the Spirit, you've got to first of all recognize that's what's happened. Here's number one. Number one, you need to return. They returned to Jerusalem. The word return is the same as the word repent. We need to come back. God, where did I lose you? Where did I miss you? What is going on in my heart that I need to change? The evidence of loss of peace, irritability, and anxiety means I'm no longer aligned with heaven. The Spirit of God is lifted. I now need to say, God, where have I missed it? What do I need to repent? Repentance is just saying, Lord, in my thinking and my approach, I'm out of order with you. I need to realign. What a great thing to do to realign. So the first thing was repentance. They returned. They recognized something. And usually repentance means, well, God, I'm so sorry. Lord, forgive me that I allowed my mind and my heart to drift. Lord, forgive me that I allowed this to happen. Just be quite specific at it. Ask God, Lord, show me what it is that I miss. The second thing is we need to pursue. I have found people take God very casually. I do not take him casually. I pursue him. They said they sought him diligently, three days. Now I want you to think about what it would be like to lose a child in a big city and have to try and find him in a city. That is scary. What's the worst thing about this is they didn't have a clue really where to start looking. Now, now that tells you then, see Jesus, because when they come and speak to Jesus, they get Mary gets quite testy with them. You, you'll notice in her language, why did you treat us like this? A lot of people talk to God like that. Why can't you treat me like that? Why, what's going on? You know, you see, notice that there was this irritation in her. She was upset with her. She was centered around herself. Centered around her. Because, why did you treat us like this? We'll get like that with God. Why did you treat me like that? You're getting into the blaming Jesus. And Jesus made an interesting statement. He said, how come... You've been worrying and stressing and seeking me like this. Didn't you realize what I would be doing? What he's saying, in other words, he's saying this. He's saying, you've been raised in the law. You've been raised in the word of God. By now you should have understood that this is what would be normal for me to be doing, to be in the house of God at my bar mitzvah, beginning my preparation for the call that is on my life. So they're saying, how did you treat us like that? And he said, you're my parents. How did you not realize this is what would be happening to me right now? How did you miss it? He turned it right around on them. How did you miss this? You went everywhere looking at me. Why would you think I'd be there or there or there or there or there? I'm 12. I'm beginning to go into my new season as a young adult when I'm going to be responsible to obey the law, so I need to be instructed in the law, of course I'd be. The only place I would be would be about my father's business, which is in the house of God. So at the age of 12, he was connected to who he was and what he's called to do, and what his concern was, how come you, my parents, didn't realize what was happening? How did you miss this? 
if you were sensitive to the changing season, you would have known that this is exactly what I'd be doing. Now, you think about that for you and I as a believer, even for us as a church. We can get so familiar to Jesus moving in certain ways that when he changes, we get upset because he's not doing what we think he should be doing. We can tend to be angry with him and blame him because this is not going what I'd like. And his question is one that comes back. He's saying, you've walked with me this season and this much time. You've learned all these things. How could you not realize this is what I would be doing at this time? Why are you so agitated that I'm doing these things at this time? It's because you're not aware of the season of God. You've become wrapped up in yourselves. I believe the church in the West becomes so wrapped up in itself, it's missed that the whole season has shifted, that God is moving. Now, you know, today as I was, as I was listening to the stories, I want to hear more of those stories of people going out into the community, just showing love and kindness, connecting people in their need. That is where the river of God is running. I have noticed in the last two years that every time that we've had a need within the body or something we focused on outside the body where we've come in love and started to gather around and help people, whether it's Bookie and AO or whether it's uh, someone else in the church or whether it's been someone else outside, there's like a river of God's spirit moves on that. I become convinced, and we have aligned our lives around that, that we need to redirect our attention to being kind to the community, kind to people, and starting to bring to them the gospel in a way that's palatable. The church has got to get out of its small world of meetings and things that seem so important but are not important. In that scripture in Micah 6.8, he is showing you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To do justly. That's the word justice is coming to places where people are suffering and doing what we can to put it right. To love mercy. That word mercy is the word loving kindness, to extend loving kindness to people and to walk humbly in a place of relationship, intimacy, and trust in the Lord. I shared with you a scripture last week, a very similar kind of scripture. Jesus spoke to the Pharisees. And he said, you're tired of all these little things. You're tired of every carrot. You're tired of this and that. But he said, the, the things that you are missing are the weightier matters, which is justice, mercy, and faith. So in God's eyes, the weighty matters are justice, treating the cause of the hurting and broken and working to minister to it and help them. Mercy, showing loving kindness to people who are broken and in need. And faith, believing for the power of God to move into work. Mary and Joseph had been entrusted with the Savior of the world to raise him. But when the season changed for him, they failed to recognize it because they got so familiar and were blessed with what was happening up to that point. I mean, they had the perfect child, remember? Everyone else has got children with problems. Isn't that right, Brett? <laughs> they got the perfect child. And then one day at the age of 12, he does something that really messes with them. And Jesus has a way of doing that. My recommendation is always see what Jesus is on and stay with that. See what Jesus is on and stay with that. Church has got a history of staying with what it likes and what it's used to rather than seeing what Jesus is on and working with that. I believe that globally now, there is a desperate need for the ministry of healing, deliverance, of kindness, compassion, of mercies, 
It needs to flow like a river from the house of God. Let's not be like Mary and Joseph, missing our moment, missing what God is doing, and being so caught up with what we're doing, we go a day's journey and realize, God, hello, what has happened? Where are you? And then have to face three days of pursuing with anxiety because we don't even know where to look. We're so out of touch with what God is doing. God's moving on this area of compassion to the poor. God is moving. Everything that you do that involves reaching out that way, you'll find the river of God's Spirit come on it. God is interested in healing the brokenhearted and restoring people. Whatever we do in that, you'll find the river of God will flow on it. Everywhere I go, I see this happening. God is interested in people being discipled, of growing in fulfilling their destinies and calls in God, not just sitting in church and coming to Sunday and think that that's what it is to be a Christian. This is not what it is to be a Christian. What it is to be a Christian is to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, follow me and I will make you. In other words, your life will undergo continual change and transformation and the outcome will be you'll be a fisher of men. You will reach out, engage, gather people and bring them to become followers of me. This is the movement of God in the hour we're in. We need to get on the page with him. Now at a personal level, if you find that you've lost your rest, lost your peace, if you find that you're becoming anxious, you're getting stressed out, funny, irritable, confused, go back to where you lost it, return to the Lord, return to that place of peace, and begin to make the adjustments and changes. But on the bigger scale, if you find that there's a restlessness around your life and an uncertainty around your life, start to recenter around the person of Jesus again and see what he's on and begin to follow him anew. Let's just open our hearts to him right now. Last thing is, interestingly enough, Jesus, even though he spoke that way to them, then submitted to them. They says they did not understand what he was doing, but he went along with them anyway, submitting in his heart to them, and he grew in wisdom, stature, and favor with God and man. Just close your eyes right now just while I finish the meeting. Is there anyone here today? And perhaps... There's an issue in your heart of you don't know Jesus Christ. Perhaps there's someone here today and you don't know the Lord. You have never had an experience with him or, or learn what it is to walk with him. You're walking in your own ways, following your own path, influenced by what's around you. What a great day today to make a decision that I'll put my life in the hands of Jesus Christ. I'll begin to pursue the one who loved me and died on a cross for me. I will put my life in Jesus' hands and partner with him in changing this world. If you're at that place where you recognize your need for Jesus Christ and you want to just give your life to Him today, trusting in Him to save you from the power and the presence and the penalty of sin, would you raise your hand right now? Is there anyone here right now? There's that emptiness in your life and the need for Christ. Would you just raise your hand quickly so I can see if there's anyone here today right at that place, that point to give your life to Christ? One of there are others here today and perhaps as I've talked, you've realized, my, I'm not in a place of rest. I'm in a place of stress and anxiety. I've moved away from a heart that's rested in him. Here's God's word to you today. In returning and rest or trust, you will be saved. In quietness and confidence in God, you will find peace. I want you to come back to that place of peace again. I wonder if God is speaking to you about that in your own life. Would you just raise your hand right now? Perhaps God's been silent and you've been through difficulties and pressures and struggles. 
and that you say, God, I want you to help me. I need you to help me today. God bless, God bless. Many hands going up. Father, I thank you for each one here today. We thank you for your grace to help them to come to a place of rest and trust in you in Jesus' name. Everyone said? Amen. Those of you who'd like to be ministered to, so many put their hands up. Why don't you make your way to the front? We'd love to lay hands on you and pray for you. Maybe some others today that need prayer to be healed. Please feel free to come up. We want to pray for you as well. Let's just stand as we finish our last song. Don't forget to connect with someone. Take someone home for lunch. Welcome someone. Bring someone along to the prayer meeting next week. So right now, if you put your hand up in prayer, please make your way to the front. We'd love to just minister to you.